Hey, I'm Steve Follin. Thanks for listening. This time, let's find out what it's like being freelance for designer Jimmy Bryant. I knew that I needed to do something to make myself stand out and push myself out there more. So I was like, well, what can I do on this Instagram account? The hardest part about going freelance and being a creative is you start to realize you have to do a lot more being a business person than being creative. Yeah, there's Jimmy. I'm really looking forward to talking to him after I... I mean, I follow quite a lot of freelancers on Instagram. I don't know if you've got into Instagram stories, but I really have. And I don't make a lot. And I think that's possibly because I film myself for the YouTube channel that I'm doing. You know, the vlog of being freelance. After talking to Jimmy, I realise I probably should. And if you haven't yet, I seriously recommend checking it out because... It's such a powerful way of connecting with people. You f- you really start to feel like you know people. Um, take a look, beingfreelance.com. Hit subscribe, whichever podcast source you get them from. Hit subscribe on there. Hit subscribe on YouTube and tell people about it. And of course, if you want a bonus episode, you can get the live one that we did at a conference last summer in London. Uh, we did a live episode of this. Instead of one guest, we have four guests. And you get that when you subscribe to the newsletter at beingfreelance.com as well. Right now, though, let's go to Denver, Colorado. And say hi to Jimmy Bryant, freelance designer and illustrator. Hey, Jimmy. Hey, how are you doing? I'm good. I mean, I can't. You're like the first guest where there's no way I could forget that you're from Denver, Colorado, because if you follow your Instagram stories, it's like, like seriously, they the tourist board of Denver, Colorado should be paying you. You you need to become you need to become one of those influencers. I know, right? I uh, I would not be against that if that if that was brought my way. <laughs> well, no doubt we'll come to why later on if people haven't been seeing your stories. But yeah, it's uh, yeah you make it look great. So how about as ever we got started hearing about how you get started being freelance? Uh, well, this time around is my second time, so I can kind of start on the first go around because I think that would be a, a little helpful to yeah. see that it's not, you know, it doesn't always happen the first time. Um, basically, I had moved out to California with the job that I had had, which was in um, construction, and it was right during 2007, 2008. That was when the downturn hit everybody, and it hit the construction field pretty hard. So pretty much everybody kind of lost their jobs. Um, I was lucky enough to stay on, but, you know, I was, it was a couple things happening all at the same time where I was 29, about to turn 30. I had been working this job since I had graduated art college and I was like, what am I doing with my life? And I was moving back to Colorado. So I was like, this is where I'm going to take my stand and go back uh, fully into art because previously I had always, uh, you know, done it on, you know, after work and come home and worked on it, but I had never jumped into full-time freelance. So when I moved back to Colorado, I previously, you know, while I was in California, I had started working with a lot of record labels doing band merch. So I uh, jumped into that full-time and I kind of struggled through that for, you know, two to three years. I kind of just jumped into it and I didn't really, you know, since it was my first time, I didn't, I didn't plan ahead and save money. I kind of did all the wrong things, you know? <laughs> and then I kind of, after a while, got a little... It was just a little hard. I think if it's on freelance, you know, it's hard to uh, it's hard to chase that money and paycheck all the time. So I went and started working at a creative agency, and I was an art director there, and I did that for four years. A year of that, that last year, I was only part time there, and I was working part time freelance again, I guess. So then I recently just jumped full time back in the freelance a few months ago. Um, so that's kind of how I've gotten to you know where I am right now. Awesome. So you were passionate about art. 
but you went into construction. Were you actually being paid to do your art on the side? Uh, so, yeah. So ever had graduated in college about 2002, I think it was. Yeah. Um, and so obviously the uh, internet wasn't really a play back then. You still had to, I guess you could email, but you kind of had to do everything. You know, you actually had to meet people, shake hands. I had worked in construction, uh, rental equipment that whole time, so I kind of just got stuck into that. But I would always come home, send out emails, and reach out to do design work. I guess I was more kind of an illustrator back then because when I went to college, I was a, uh, I actually got an illustration degree, so I was trying to do editorial illustration. That was just something that I always did, and I got some stuff in smaller magazines and newspapers, but it was just something that never really kicked off kind of how it has recently. Yeah, so... When you came to do it the second time around in this past year, as you sort of phased out from your job to full-time freelance, what would you say that you kind of learned from that first experience? Well, I wasn't nervous at all, and I kind of knew what to expect. Uh, Anybody that kind of goes freelance, unless you've saved up a bunch of money, which I suggest doing, um, you kind of are always worried about money and where's the money coming from. And unless you have a couple of utility clients, there's maybe some... Um, side projects that are bringing in consistent money. I think for me, that was that was my biggest my biggest learning from the first time around was make sure I have multiple sets of revenue coming in and not just rely on one thing. I think that was my biggest downfall the first time around. So the first time around, you were doing quite a lot of band merch and record label type stuff. How did you get those clients? Um, so there was actually this. Uh, so this was even before Instagram, and you know, people would hang out basically in communities online. And uh, so there was this thing called MTs.com, and it was a t-shirt community of t-shirt designers, specifically band merch designers, but clothing lines kind of came around. So I kind of found my way to that site, and I started doing band merch design. So that's that's really how I got into that. It was a community of record labels, you know, bands, everybody kind of hung out there, and you got hired on that site. Did you then sort of try and translate that into, like, local clients at all, or...? Um, no, then I, I really didn't focus on, uh, local, local stuff, which was probably also a uh, downfall. I really just went all in on band merch. I kind of jumped into that cause it was just, I'd always tried to find like where my artwork was going to lead me. And it was just one of those things where at that time it was really heavily uh, like illustrated neon monsters and stuff in like 2008, 2007. So that was kind of the style of stuff I was doing. And it really just led into that, but it, it, it took me some time to realize that unless you're one of the top top dudes in that industry, you really don't want to rely 100% on just band merch because of the practices and how you get paid and how they it's a it's a rough field to have that be 100% of your revenue. Yeah. So how have you gone about finding clients in freelance mark 2? A little bit the same way, but now I focus uh, I'm trying to f- focus more on uh, growing my local clientele. Um, I've also started trying to get some utility clients, so there is regular paychecks coming in. But mostly, you know, what I do is, I let's say um, Patagonia. Uh, I try to work with them, so I really just go online. I try to find any person in that company's email address, uh, so I can find out how the format is of that email address. And then I look on LinkedIn, find out who the art director is, plug their name into that format, and email them. I mean, that's that's how I get my <laughs> clients. Um, and then now I get a lot of uh, just stuff coming naturally from Instagram, actually. That's awesome. Well, let's talk about that. So when did you start getting into using Instagram? Um, I mean, I've had it for probably 
three three years, maybe three or four years, but mm-hmm. I really didn't get serious about it, I guess, quote, serious about it, probably till about a year and a half or two years ago. I really just kind of decided that, what am I doing with this account? Like, I, I'm not one of those people that likes to uh, just post selfies and food pictures, and I was just kind of doing that stuff because I didn't really, it was early on in Instagram, and I didn't really know what to do with it. And then eventually I was like, why am I not using this as a marketing tool for my artwork? You know, it's just, it's one of the fastest growing um, social media services out there. And it's like, I can use this as a platform to promote myself instead of just, or well, promote my artwork for myself, I guess, same thing. But um, instead of just using it as a personal account, I just felt that there was more power in it to help me get to the creative side and work for myself and freelance. How would you describe what you do on Instagram, you know, to people who haven't seen it? Um, So there's kind of now that Instagram has been split up between stories, which they kind of took from Snapchat. So there's that side and then there's the wall or your daily posts. So basically I knew that, you know, a year ago when I went part time at my art director job that I need to do something to make myself stand out and push myself out there more than I have before. So I was like, well, what can I do on this Instagram account? And daily posts are, um, I think, some, a daily creative posts where you post something new, I think is something that people can kind of latch onto and um, really start to follow your account. So I kind of did the two things where I started doing personal stuff on my stories and I kind of did process videos on my stories. And then on my main wall or page, I guess I don't know what they call it on uh, Instagram, but the main feature wall, I started doing the daily designs and I kind of created a a style that was really lent towards that daily posting because for me at least um, as far as doing like a detailed illustration or something like that or something that's maybe super concept heavy every day I felt that I wouldn't be able to post a nice quality piece for that purpose every day. Ah, interesting. Okay, so because I mean, this is what I've been absorbed in, you know, following you on Instagram, is that every day you're there. And, you know, we see a bit of your life, but we see you, you know, it's like you've done your daytime work, which we don't really see, because I guess it's client work. But then it's like, right, here's tonight's piece. That's what you always say. (laughs) And it's like, yes. (laughs) and, And, and so you set yourself essentially a challenge to create a daily, uh, well, piece of work. Uh, yeah, basically a new a new design every day for Instagram. And I, it pretty much happens, but now that I'm completely freelance, there's a there's a ton of work to do during the day, and I don't just have those you know five or six hours at night to kind of create my own things, which is fine. But so now it's you know it's usually every day or so. But I'm um, I'm really trying to get to that 365 mark, so I'll have 365 original pieces, you know. And then I don't know, maybe I can parlay that into something else. And then what you also do is that you, having seen this for a while now, you then have a store where if I've just loved that piece that you've just designed, I could go buy it, right? Yeah, pretty much. I kind of I kind of go by uh, likes or sometimes I just produce, you know, whatever I feel like. But um, yeah, I either do prints or I make products of some of those pieces. Um, that's that's kind of lends back to that uh, creating different lines of revenue where I was like, I'm doing all this work for clients. Why not, you know, try to make myself one of those clients and just kind of see how that went. I've been doing that for about a year and a half. So, yeah, taking those pieces 
and then making them pieces of work that, you know, I own myself. They're not through another client. And then I can produce them into whatever kind of product. And then that product is just from me to the customer and there's no middleman. Do you get much of a response from that, doing the stories, doing the work? Because obviously people can respond to you on Instagram. So I'm just wondering how you feel about doing that, like what you get out of doing that. Yeah, so at first, um, I think when I first started really pushing, I only had uh, 400 to 700 followers, I think. And obviously then you feel a little silly like doing the stories and stuff because there's really not a lot of interaction. So that's kind of something you have to like tell yourself, I know this will work out in the future and kind of just do it at that point because you're not really getting a lot of feedback. Um, But yeah, I mean, for me, it's just like right now I get a lot of like discussions through uh, DMs on Instagram, direct messages. And I feel like that has become a totally different thing than, you know, early on or a few years ago on Instagram when basically you DM somebody uh, I think mostly creeps used the DMs at that point. <laughs> and then now it's really become just a discussion piece, especially with the stories, because when somebody responds to you, it responds in your direct message. So, yeah, I mean, I, I love that feedback. And, like, it's it's really it's really crazy to just post something or, you know, something I'm thinking about. And there's just people out there, you know, I got somebody from Africa. Or they're like, oh, I follow your work every day. And it's just like, you know, me sitting in my chair behind this computer screen in Denver, Colorado, I would never think that <laughs> I have somehow, whether it's, you know, big or small, affected somebody's life in South Africa. You know, like that's just to me is is mind blowing. It's so cool, isn't it? Actually, I should ask you, like you just said, you know, like sitting there in your chair in Denver, Colorado. So do you work from home? Like what's your work space? Yeah, I, uh, my workspace is uh, this, this old desk I've had for like seven or eight years. Um and I, yeah, I sit in the office in, a, in my apartment and I just kind of, that, that's my workspace. So it's not really too big of a commute. Um, <laughs> I kind of get up and then come over here and start working. But uh, I really, I, I, the commute thing is not that big of a deal because I actually um, live in a five, six story building. And the place I used to work, the creative agency, actually occupies the bottom floor, one of the <laughs> bottom offices. So I've been kind of spoiled the last three years where I've really just taken an elevator to work. So <laughs> it hasn't, it hasn't changed up my routine too much. Do you know that that can cause its own issues in itself though, that cause I have that working from home is that like, it can be really easy not to leave the house. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. Um, especially, well, especially now that uh, I'm freelance and I have more time, I definitely try to make, and I think if you watch my stories, you can see that like I try to make an effort to get out because before it was, you know, 10 hours, 11 hour days at work and then come home and sit in the chair for, you know, five to six hours, which, you know, it's not too different now, but I can just go and take two or three hours to go to the park with my girlfriend and take a walk or go up in the mountains and take a walk. Like, I, I really feel like that's just that's so important because I mean, I'm behind the screen all day and I'm sure probably most people that listen to this and. 2017 are the same way whether it's your computer or your phone and i just feel like you gotta refresh your brain somehow for me it's just kind of getting outside and helps me come up with ideas just just not looking at my computer screen so would you say that instagram is the main way that work comes to you now uh yeah besides my band merch design a lot of those clients i've had for 10 years 
Um, a lot of those companies I've worked with forever, so that just kind of comes that way. Uh, besides me emailing, but yeah, Instagram is, I would assume, um, I get a lot of jobs from Instagram and then I'll randomly get hit up and I'm assuming they're coming from there because I, I don't have any results that I'm actively pushing my work every day. So yeah, I know I know I get a lot of work from Instagram and the more the account has grown, the more that has, has really stepped up. And how would you say you've gone about even growing that? I mean, I'm sure there must be a... Maybe there's a small amount happens naturally through algorithms and stuff, but have you done anything to grow your audience? So there's a few things that um, recently, um, probably within the last six to eight months, um, there's a couple different things we can talk about. But really, it's just consistently posting, um, whether it's once a day or twice a day, because now there is that new algorithm and you kind of get... If you're not posting regularly, like even if you were for a week and then you drop off, people won't see your posts like you're gone. You know, it's not like how it was in the old days where it just kind of put them up as people posted. Now it's all based on, you know, how many times they see your work, how many times they like your work, how many times you post. If you don't, you disappear. So it's like if you're not doing that and you're using it as a promotion tool, you've pretty much just lost out. So, yeah, that and then just really trying to I try to respond to whether it's one of those fake accounts. It's like cool shot even though it's an illustration um i try to <laughs> i try to respond to every person on my instagram i really think that's the biggest um thing to grow your audience because except for those obvious fake ones which you know girl in a bikini or they just have the auto post like i think everybody can kind of pick that out at this point well you but, mean those girls in bikinis aren't really oh man <laughs> i know right that's really broke my heart when i found that out as well <laughs> thought it was popular but yeah I, I just feel like those people that are interacting are your most you know to me they feel i feel like those are your most important uh followers mm. because you know that they're a real person and they interact which you know it's great to have all the people that just follow and like but those those actual interactions, I think, mean more to uh, boosting your post than anything else. Yeah. So being consistent and interaction. Totally being consistent. And that's the hardest part, too, because it's like I try to have a backlog of stuff. So if I don't feel like it, I have some things to post or hopefully I'll have some client work. But, yeah, consistency is key in everything, obviously. But for right now, as far as Instagram, totally that's 100% of what it is. And it has to be, it has to be good. Like you can't just post blurry pictures all day. But because I've been following your Instagram stories for a while. It was only when I got in touch with you and invited you on that I knew your name was Jimmy because you're Atomic Child. And so that that's like your business, that's like your art name, right? Atomic Child? Yeah, for sure. I uh, Like I said, uh, before, before I started using this art name, I just went by Jimmy Bryant, which, um, you know, pretty generic name in the, in the world. And it just didn't have any any Google juice to that at all. I guess in college, my uh, my favorite uh, when I started out, just because I kind of uh, connected with his bold lines, was Keith Haring, is my favorite artist, and he had this image that he called the Radiant Child or Radiant Baby, I guess. And I just kind of took my name from that Tommy Child and went from there with it. And then after that, it's just, I just think it's something easier to remember. I don't know if it's kind of switched nowadays that, you know, this was eight years ago. So it was a little different to call yourself, I guess, something besides your real name. And then now everybody has a name. So I think maybe it's kind of pushing back the other way where people want to know what your real name is because everybody has some kind of weird name online. <laughs> 
But um, so far, yeah. So I just kind of call it Atomic Child Design. And then even like the last year, I don't think my account even had my face on it. So that's been another big change is putting, you know, a face to that name. So I'm not just some symbol, you know, I'd rather people associate it with the actual person. Yeah. How did you feel when you first did that? Like when you, and especially with doing Instagram stories and talking to well, the camera. Uh, yeah, that's weird. Um, I always... I always had this kind of backwards view, I guess, and I don't know why I had this, but all like through college and growing up, like I never signed my artwork and I never really wanted to have a face to it because I just kind of wanted it to be received on its own merits and not based off who or what I am, I guess I kind of always thought. And then I realized I was really just, especially when you're trying to promote yourself, you're kind of doing a disservice by not at least this is what I thought by attaching it to yourself personally and kind of like I was saying before I feel like that's might be a little lost nowadays is having that personal touch even online so I figured about a year ago I think I changed it over to my face and I was like all right you know I want people to know it's me I want them to connect it to my face I want them to know it's a real person I think that helps with people interacting because before I used to have just my name over an atomic explosion, which probably wasn't the most you know <laughs> beneficial image to be pushing out there. But um, yeah, I just I just think that it's especially online if somebody can see that you're a real person and tie that to an actual personality. I think that just it just improves your chances of working with somebody. Yeah. Now I think about it, I think the the reason I first encountered you was because you sent in something to Gary V, didn't you? Yeah, so I was... Ah, is that somebody you, you follow him as well? Yeah, although interestingly, and I'm sure he won't hear this, <laughs> <laughs> um, I have since stopped following him because he doesn't actually do that much of himself on Instagram. Like, it's lots of um, pre-produced yeah, stuff. quotes. But yeah. I do follow his camera guy, D-Rock, D-Rock, yeah. And so actually you get a much more sort of insightful look at almost into Gary V. So, you know, I see Gary V's videos and things instead. Um, so, yeah, so I think D-Rock put up an awesome image and it must have been you or maybe Gary V did at the time when I still followed him. And, yeah, it must have linked through to you. Yeah, I uh, I guess I kind of – I didn't really follow his Instagram too much. Just like you said, it's kind of just those uh, positive quote things or, or his quotes. But I watch his YouTube series that he they do the daily uh, the daily V, and I've been following him for some time. So he always just says stuff like you know just do it or you know just go out there and try something or put yourself out there and see what happens. So you know after listening to him for about a year, I was like you know what's I have a talent I think that helps me kind of break through to things that I probably shouldn't be able to get into just by making a picture makes it easier for me. You know I don't have to try to talk my way into something. So, yeah, I just did a piece of art and tagged it on Instagram. And D-Rock actually, I guess, um, showed it to him. And he tweeted it out at me one day. Just, you know, he just tweets it out and then he puts it on his Instagram. And he was like, I want that fox. I want to print, you know, I want to print him and hang up on my wall. So, yeah, it's it's crazy. They got a piece hanging up in uh, VaynerMedia, New York. And I think he said that they also did it in um, L.A. So, yeah, it's crazy wow. to watch watch those YouTube uh, videos and see my piece of artwork hanging on the wall of something that I was just like, now I'm kind of weirdly participated in because it's there, you know, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's pretty awesome. Like I was saying, like, that's kind of how artwork can get me into places where I think if I tried to talk my way into that, it might not have happened, you know? Yeah. And did you notice a, 
I don't know, something come off the back of that, other than the big grin on your face. Yeah, right. So so that day, uh, I got a, about 400 new followers. So that was cool, I guess. But um, I think the biggest thing has just been a few. And I, I don't know if it's like this. I, I always feel like you see something online and you kind of, we see so much stuff that it just gets lost. Mm. But like people will hit me up randomly. And I, I think it's been a few months now since that happened. But they'll be like, oh, I saw you on Gary V. And like, you know, one guy's like, oh, I saw you on Gary V. I want to work with you. So like it's. I'm still kind of seeing stuff from it, but the the first initial effect was just, yeah, like you said, the big grin. Can't believe that happened, and then um, you know just the the media followers. That's just so awesome, isn't it? Like putting in your own time just to send that out there, for, you know, for the hell of it, and but also putting out your style, like the sort of thing that you want to do. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's I think that's these days, unless you want to work at um, you know a graphic design agency, I, I suppose. Or a place that hires graphic designers, that's fine. But I feel like if you want to be a freelancer, you really need to have a voice. And whether that's through style or harder working or you're the best person in the field, like I think you really have to figure out what your voice is. And I, I know that takes time. Like I didn't, you know, I didn't, I didn't have a voice for a long time in artwork. I was just kind of doing to do. But yeah, I think I, that journey is the hardest part. Cause it's like how how do you determine what that is or, or how you get there. But I feel like if that's truly what you're after and you're truly passionate about being creative, no matter what the direction is, if you're doing it every day and you're putting yourself out there, which is the biggest key, then you're going to find your path and it'll, it's going to direct you that way. Like I never, I never would have thought that I would have ended up in band merch and then I would have been doing band merch for 10 years, 13 years. It's just, I was drawing I was doing this. I was trying to do t-shirt design and I wasn't, I wasn't having a lot of success with that. And then I found that site through, I'm not even sure how I found that site, but then I went to that and all of a sudden, you know, music stuff is designed on trends. It's all trends. Um, and my style fit that current trend. And then that took me to designing for band merch for 10 years. So it's like, I, there's no way to, there's no way to tell exactly how that's going to happen. I guess if you're trying to do it uh, freelance, but if you're putting yourself out there all the time and working hard and getting better, it's it's going to happen. Who knows what the time is? You're just going to have patience. And how does it feel now that you're, you know, you, you've you created this daily challenge, which also feeds your Instagram stories. But like I mentioned earlier, you, you sell stuff online as well. And um, I, I imagine you must sell it within local stores because so much of a design is based on Denver, Colorado. Yeah. So I kind of... Uh, I have a few wholesale places, a couple um, consignment places. I'm really moving into that, pushing that a little more. Like I was saying, having the different lines of money coming in. Yeah, so I have that. And then I, I just feel like having your own products with your own thoughts and your own design thoughts, I guess, and putting that out there is, is just really the best way to see. Like, and Maybe that's a good way to find your direction because I feel like if you're just trying to um, wholeheartedly copy another style, which is fine to learn, but I think eventually you have to really, you, if you want to go freelance, you need to put yourself out there as a style to see where that takes you. Mm. And just to have interest very briefly, like for people listening who are designers and might be thinking about creating their own, you know, so you do, like, do stickers and key rings and badges and t-shirts and that kind of thing. Do you... Do it where, you know, like those websites where somebody can buy something and they print it and they send it out. 
or do you like buy a load in advance and then deal with everything yourself? How have you managed that? So I kind of have a little bit of everything going on. Um, I initially started out a few years ago with uh, exactly what you're talking about, the kind of print-on-demand thing where you upload your artwork and they can print it on 10,000 pieces of things. Um, so that's that's a good that's a good way to start as long as you have a little bit of an audience. Uh, so I have that. I have that. There's a site called Redbubble, which I started on probably almost eight or nine or ten years ago. Um, and now that now that I've had it that long, it kind of has has a monthly amount that just comes in from things selling, and I don't do anything with that. It's just been around long enough, and it's nice. been on their site long enough that they promote it every now and then. So I would suggest doing that. Um, and as far as making like actual physical products yourself, I would just start out with one thing and see how that goes because you don't want to invest in a bunch of different products and it doesn't work out and then you're kind of out of that money i would definitely test or do pre-orders or you know there's a bunch of different ways to go a lot of people do that pop art stuff where they just kind of latch on to your own you know another thing which will help stuff sell but i just feel like in the long run that doesn't you're not investing in yourself with that that's just quick quick fast sales i kind of was lucky too as far as producing stuff where i used to work we produce products for customers so i kind of had a an end to that where I kind of knew how it all worked and had the contacts. So that was a little easier for me to jump into it, but I would suggest one or two things and then just see how that goes before getting too crazy into products. Yeah. I always like it on your Instagram stories when you've got a big wad of uh, envelopes that you're about to post out. It's, it's a good. Oh yeah. That's, that's the craziest part about making your own products. Like when the people, the orders do come in, it's like, oh, I can't like to me, that's the most satisfying thing is, I think of something in my brain, I make it on the computer, I create it, and then people order that stuff, and it ships out all over the world. To me, that's, I mean, that's, I think to me, that's like the most purest form of being creative. It's just like, you think of something, you make it, people order it. Like, it's, that's why I always try to, like, say thank you every week when I send them out, because it's like, to me, that's the most amazing thing. Like, it's amazing to have, you know, clients who want to hire me for jobs, but that always kind of has a little bit of a filter because it's not just me thinking of it, but those to me are like, that's the most amazing part is, you know, I have some orders sitting here. Like I write, thank you, handwrite, thank you notes and put them in every order. And I just think that's the purest form of being creative. And it's, uh, to me, it's still amazing. I don't know if it'll be that way once there's been a thousand. I hope it still <laughs> is. Um, my hand gets tired after 300 thank you notes, but I, for right now, I don't see any stopping that. It's it's just to me, it's it's kind of unbelievable to just make something and people like it, you know. Yeah, you must be insulating yourself from that Denver snow with jiffy bags as well. That's uh, <laughs> right. Just, yeah, just, just surround yourself with clothes. Them. And and how about the financial side of it? I mean, it sounds like you've you've deliberately gone after lots of revenue streams this time. You've mentioned that a couple of times. Yeah. So I mean, as far as how I guess kind of the whole thing, how it comes in or how I'm, I, I put money aside this time before I went full-time uh, freelance. I would suggest six months to a year if you can. Always have money set aside. Um, maybe if you're young in your 20s and maybe you're single and you can kind of rough it or whatever, just jump into it if you want. But I would always suggest saving up money and then going into freelance so you have a little bit of a parachute uh, if needed because – I know 100% for sure that as far as online sales, November and December are going to be great. But as far as client work, um, especially in the band merch world, 
November, December, January, and February are pretty much kind of dead because everybody stops touring, everybody's on break, and then everybody comes back and they're trying to figure out their schedule for the next year. So you kind of got to have money set aside every year for those four months, at least to get by. But, yeah, I mean, it's it's hard because it's not like once you've worked a regular job and you get that money every two weeks, you know, you kind of get used to, oh, in two weeks I'll have more money. But when you're working freelance, uh, unless you have some utility clients, which which I do this time around, which helps out a lot, but um, you're really – clients work on pay you right away, 30 days, 60 days, 90 days. Like you don't want it to go out that far, but it's – it's kind of a it's kind of a crapshoot even with contracts like i think that's the hardest part about going freelance and being a creative is you start to realize you have to do a lot more being a business person than being creative which is a lot of people get out of want to be an art so they don't have to be a business person but if you want to be a freelance and you don't have an agent and you work for yourself at home you have to learn to be a business person to make it work that's that's the hardest lesson especially with your finances and, and how about, I mean, we kind of touched upon work-life balance earlier on, and I know it kind of blurs because of the whole, well, you know, you're an artist doing what you love, right? But how, how have you found that side of things? Oh, uh, you know, honestly, that's the hardest part for me. I can't, it's hard to split the two, I think, because I'm, A, I'm always thinking about work and just trying to, no matter what circumstance of I'm in, something can kind of bring up an idea and then I feel like I immediately need to write it down or try to create it or something like that. But yeah, that's that's the hardest part for me is breaking the two apart. And I don't even know if you should or you have to, but for me, it's like, this is what I want to do. So it's like, I'm always doing it. And I kind of, and since my, you know, the materials I'm using is the computer, I always want to be here in front of the computer and trying to create a new piece. And I think that also kind of comes from like, I don't know when the next thing I create could be like my next, you know, the thing that pushes me further or something. So I'm always feeling like if I'm not creating, I'm possibly getting behind or something like that. And I don't know if that's just kind of a something I've put in myself or, or I just feel like I always need to be creating. So I have a, I have a really hard time, you know, splitting the two apart. I've kind of made it all one thing, which is, which is rough. And does that bother you or you don't care? To me, honestly, it doesn't bother me, but I'm sure to, I know for my girlfriend it bothers her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That whole, um, you're permanently working kind of thing. You always feel like you've got something. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it, like I said, I got to make time to just, and that's another reason why I like to kind of get out of the house because that helps me break away from my computer and build up a cord, you know? Yeah. And like I say, Denver, Colorado tourist board should be paying you for those. It looks incredible. Now, I always do this thing where I ask for three facts about yourself, make two true, one a lie. Let me figure out the lie. What have you got for me? Okay, so my three facts. Um, I was contacted by the Ringling Brothers uh, Circus. And to do their, they do tours uh, every year with their circus. And um, so they hit me up and we were working kind of through the, the next season's design. And since, I don't know if you know this or not, since I don't, I guess they're just in America, I'm not sure, but they closed down. So that was a, a potentially a big job that I thought was, was going to happen. Another one was Michael Bolton. Do you know who that is? <laughs> Michael Bolton? Yes. yes. I actually got to design um, a bunch of stuff for one of his world tours and stuff that was like in Hot Topic, which is just kind of like a, a I, don't, I don't know if they're worldwide or not, but 
they just sell music shirts and stuff. So I got to do that. And then another one was one of the bigger reasons I really went hard into digital work instead of traditional was as I fell off a roof and broke my right hand. Whoa, that's a good fact. Oh, man, these are all good. So circus that didn't work out, Michael Bolton. I mean, why would you pick Michael Bolton if that wasn't real? <laughs> um, right, right hand. You see, you were working in construction. Did you fall off a roof and put your right hand? Oh, man. Given that the circus story didn't work out, why would you make that up? Okay, I don't think... I don't think he fell off a roof. That was true. Oh, well, <laughs> I'm glad you're okay. <laughs> so I probably just made the noise that you made as you fell. Jeez, <laughs> ah! <laughs> how far did you fall? Uh, so I was uh, I was on the roof of a garage, but it was on the side of a hill, so it was kind of this two story fall. <laughs> and I, I landed right on. I was helping my I was actually helping my parents redo the roof. And I, I broke my wrist, so my uh, I had to have surgery and stuff. So I couldn't use my hand for a good four to six months. I had to have a bunch of different casts and stuff. But uh, yeah, I was still getting design work at the time. So I was like, uh, I started using Photoshop and started clicking around with the pen tool. I was like, this is all I could do with my left hand. So I have that skill backed up if I need it again. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Wouldn't that be funny if like suddenly your career took off? with uh, and then my you thought hand. i'm gonna have to spend the rest of my life like with disarming cast and <laughs> only using the other one right <laughs> i was like i better break my arm so <laughs> so that one is true okay uh in that case michael bolton isn't true that was true as well oh jeez i have not been this badly beaten in such a long time so <laughs> michael bolton that's a great fact <laughs> Matt the circus was the lie. Oh, gee. Uh, well done. Okay, you win. Uh, good and proper. Uh, and I'm glad your hand's okay. Yeah, I mean, that was really weird for me. It was kind of like, what do I do? And I was like, well, I don't have a choice, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So I just started using my left hand. I didn't, I didn't, I obviously had to kind of develop a little different style because it wasn't the same thing. But it was just one of those things where I was like, I, I could not do it. And yeah. people were still hitting me up and I couldn't just be like, oh, I broke my arm and I don't know when I'm going to do it again. Because then all those customers are going to just go somewhere else, you know, especially in the band merch industry. There's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people, you know, just people coming up every year trying to get into that business. So it was just kind of a, yeah, I had no other choice unless I was just going to tell people that I couldn't do it. And yeah. then, you know, I would have been forgotten at that point. Yeah. Now, if you could tell your younger self one thing about being freelance, what would that be? Other than stay away from the roof. What? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I would say, run away, don't do it. Um, man, I, for me, I would have told myself to jump into it way sooner. I uh, I had a job all through college, and it was, you know, I had a paycheck and 401k and insurance and all that stuff, and I just stuck with it. And I stuck in that job for 10 years, you know, I, sh I shouldn't have. So take risks when you're young like that, especially if you don't have a family. Or if you're single or in a relationship where your partner, um, you know, is on board with taking those risks with you. Um, network. I would have done a lot more networking. I know a lot of times as artists, we like to kind of be hermits, especially when you start work for yourself. So get out, network. And then in your 20s, have fun. <laughs> but if you want to be in a better place by the time you're in your 30s, 
work hard in your 20s and maybe not have as much fun. Yeah. <laughs> Jimmy, it's been such a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you so much. Go to beingfreelance.com, follow the link through to uh, Jimmy's site, Atomic Child Design, but also, of course, to his Instagram in particular, so that you can follow him on there and check out his Instagram stories. Thank you so much and all the best being freelance. Uh, thank you so much, Steve, for, for having me on. I enjoyed this conversation. Thank you.